Hi, and welcome to Belly's Babies and Birth, the podcast for building community and sharing resources for mamas and their families. I'd like to introduce you to our host, Amy Vanderlinden. Amy has been a physical therapist for over 18 years and has a passion for helping women have active, healthy pregnancies, optimal deliveries, and quicker recoveries to get back to the activities they love. She started this podcast to bring more resources and information to families and women going through pregnancy, postpartum, and other birth-related issues. Listen to hear how Amy and her guests talk about helping women thrive. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another podcast episode of Bellies, Babies, and Birth. I am really excited for this week's episode. Uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We've been talking a lot about things directly around birth and breastfeeding, and uh, we've got a friend of mine, Anthony Lowe, all the way from Australia. Um, he's quite the expert in many things, but uh, specifically exercise and training and he has an amazing heart for women and working with athletes and teams up with other pelvic health PTs a lot. And I know he'll share a lot of wisdom with us for this week's episode. And I can't wait to get started. So Anthony, I really, really, really appreciate you taking the time, especially with the time zone difference and working this out to be here with me today. Not a problem. Thank you very much for having me. So, and we will link everything in the show notes, you guys, because Anthony and Marika Hart also do their own women's health podcast. Tons and tons of great information on there. Uh, this podcast is geared a bit more towards community and moms, um, more so than other therapists, but um, he has so much great information, an entire YouTube channel full of amazing things for therapists and anyone who works out really, not just women, but um, a lot of different resources on there as well. So we'll have all those resources linked for you guys. So Anthony, why don't you start with just telling us a little bit about your journey as a PT and sort of your background. Um, you've got a lot of things that you've accomplished already, but give us a little bit about that journey. Um, how long do we have? I'm an old man. So, um, you know, I, I started in the hospital system. I went from high school to college. And in Australia, we go straight in f into physical therapy with a four-year undergrad degree. Um, so I came out, I was 21, 22, when I started working in the hospital system and spent three years there until I, I bought a practice and doubled that practice. And then a year later, I bought another practice and quadrupled that practice. Um, and the whole time that I've been working ever since my first year of, of work has been with, uh, postnatal moms, postnatal moms, as you would say, moms in Australia and, um, antenatal like, uh, pregnant women. So, uh, you know, that, that's basically 22 years now I've been working as a physical therapist and, um, it's been fantastic. I've gone the full gamut. I've done lots of different training and I used to check all the alignment of everything. And then I realized that checking all the alignment doesn't actually matter. And I used to cue all the core stuff and I still can do it if I need to. But then I realized, Hey, I can actually get really good results quicker if I don't do certain things. So it's been a process of you know, continuing learning. I, I always say that the degree that I got was the, the ticket to get on the bus to learning as opposed to being the be all and end all of education. So I still learn every day now uh, as I go along, which is fantastic. And I, I hope to keep learning until the day I die. Um, 
and and you know just more recently i've i've been focused on like like you said i actually do i do a lot in the musculoskeletal sports and women's health sort of world and i, I like to describe what i do as being in the junction of that so in america that would be ortho pt like an athletic trainer um as well as like a sports PT, as well as the, the pelvic PT type stuff. I don't do any internals, I only do external examination. And I tend to focus on the higher level stuff. You know, pelvic PTs are really, really good at helping the, the you know, the, the women who've got such significant problems. And I don't, I just don't work in that space because I don't do internal work. Um, so much like yourself, you know, lots and lots of PTs are great at getting people to an average level of exercise and then beyond that there's just not much experience in that area so that's where i found my little niche which is taking women who want to be athletic um you know working at moderate or high intensity and high loads and how to manage that with their pelvic floor dysfunctions um so that's where i kind of find my niche at the moment amongst others yes and you do that ex <laughs> extremely well um so one question I have, I don't think I realized that you had always worked with pregnant and postpartum moms, um, even when you had your own practices and things. I thought that was more ortho and then later on had gotten towards that. So that's incredible. Um, yeah, no, I've, yeah, <clears throat> pain in particular, lots of pain. Um, but yeah, I've been working with the core and pelvic floor stuff for a long time, a long, long time. Like I said, I'm 22 years of physical therapist. So yeah, you know, if you gave birth 22 years ago, you would have had this skinny uh, six foot two bald Asian dude turning up, surprising everybody because usually these, these PTs are women and telling you about what's just happened to you and how to do your, your post postnatal exercises and the information that we used to give back then. And yeah. I ended up running the antenatal classes for the hospital and just two years ago I started up again because there was a need in my local, in my local area that they, they, they were putting out, you know, they needed physical therapists to help teach uh, antenatal classes. So I do, you know, three or four a year for the local hospital system now. Wow. They're lucky to have you. Um, Thank you. So given that you've always worked in that space was tag teaming with other pelvic health PTs and women's health that do internal. Has that always been part of the equation? Um, yeah, ideally, um, pelvic PTs changed a lot, even in the last 10 years, uh, especially in the last, uh, six years, I would say. Um, <laughs> and you know, pelvic PTs, <laughs> I used to fight with them because they would want, they would want to just do Kegels with people. And I was very confused by this because that would be like saying you're having trouble carrying your kid and we're only going to do bicep curls. That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, so I've, I've had a more holistic approach this whole time and and as I've evolved, I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect. Like we can go and look back at all the people that I helped and, and cry about, you know, how I've let them down in some way compared to what I know now. But um, the evolution has been positive, I think. I, I, I certainly induce a lot less fear, um, a lot more focused on empowering women and making them independent of their therapists as quickly as possible. My, my growth strategy for my businesses has always been through exponential growth rather than serial growth. So instead of trying to get the one person to come as many times as I can, it's not very impressive when you go to a party and, and you have somebody say, oh, you know, I went and saw that therapist 50 times and now I'm better. It's like I went and saw Anthony two or three times and this is the best I felt in years. And then they send five people. You know, that's the kind of growth that I'm looking for. And that's how I run my business. So if you ever look at my diary, there's lots of spaces in it because I discharge people all the time. Yeah, two or three sessions. And so then just working that, that, um, that word of mouth. But I don't mind the breaks because I need a lot of time to study and write my courses. And, you know, I have essentially three jobs. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, and you're mentoring a lot of other PTs that are growing in this field as well. So that definitely takes a lot of time. And just for all of us Americans, when he said diary, he's not talking about his personal journal at home. That's what they say for calendar. Ah, yeah. <laughs> well, my schedule, my schedule, my schedule. When I look at <laughs> I'm trying to think American. I'm just, I'm just messing around. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so you've stayed in my home and one of the things that I like and respect most about you and have personally been challenged by is <laughs> that you are always, <laughs> you don't need to comment. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. Um, is that you've always challenged beliefs and where ideas have come from. And like you said, the field's evolved and I've really only been in women's health now. It'll be coming up on seven years. Um, but more specifically and focused on pregnancy, probably the last five. So I can't even speak to some of the history and things that you've seen evolve. But in terms of the moms that you work with and the women athletes that you work with, I love that you are always empowering them. You're challenging the status quo. Um, I've definitely learned some from you about, and I promote a lot amongst my staff in my space here, to be careful with your words. And actually, I can't wait to finish reading the post you put up today about um, words and queuing and those carry a lot of power. And so where I'm going with that is that as you've learned to, and you said you yourself have evolved in that, what were some of the avenues that you took, just if you could impart to moms and how you do impart to moms, that wisdom and shift in mindset to not be scared to move, to not be scared of trying something. Um, obviously a lot of my clients are just kind of paralyzed because they've heard this and they've heard this and don't do that and this, and you know, they don't want to make themselves worse, but then we've go six months a year and they haven't exercised at all. Yeah. Look, I can get really philosophical about this. It's, it's an area that I'm quite passionate about, but the bottom line is that, um, many of us, it's the way that we're trained and we are trained to look for problems and that that's a problem because that's confirmation bias. If you start looking for a problem, you're going to find a problem almost every time. And then you've got bosses and coaches, you know, business coaches telling you that you've got to do this and, and keep the numbers turning over and all the rest of it. Um, you know, such a profit driven model, um, in different areas of the world. Um, a lot of the information that you have to put out there then has to be very specific. So, you know, with internet marketing and SEO, you, you know, you're talking about one particular condition, for example, and go deep on it. And then just to make sure that you don't get sued, you have to be extremely conservative and you've got to tell the worst of the worst. And, you know, everything's got a caveat of, you know, this doesn't replace an individual assessment. And the net result is that um, I'm finding mothers will go on the internet and look and get lots of information that's very, very scary. And to be honest, a lot of the times incorrect, inaccurate, 20 years behind the times, you know, stuff that they were doing 20 years ago, we should have moved on from by now. Um, so there's a lot of that going on. So the first thing that I do is um, I listen and to empower, to empower women, the very best thing that you can do is listen to them and ask them about what they think and what their instincts are and not what other people are telling them, not what they've read, but what do you feel when you do this? And, and I just begin this uh, process of getting them to trust that they as a person can deal with this on their own. And so then my job almost becomes like a coach where, um, you know, I have to do the medical stuff. I've got to clear the conditions. I've got to make sure that nothing's particularly injurious for them. Um, but, you know, okay, what do you think? How does it feel when you do this? You say that it's bad to bend over this way, but what if it actually is better for you? Let's, let's test a few different ways. And, um, you know, a, a thing that I've realized that I do is that I, I can simplify what I do as simply establishing where we start, where they're at, getting them to experience something different to what they normally do, then talking about the knowledge and the explanations. And that is, that is flipped 
to the traditional way that physios work. Normally we do our assessment and then we tell them all the things that are wrong. And then we tell them all the ways that they've got to do it. I do it the other way around. Um, I get you to experience that you can find the way to make things better. And then we talk about why that worked. And then we talk about ideas for change in your everyday life. So empowering begins with listening. It begins with um, getting them to trust themselves um, and then giving them permission to challenge their practitioners to say, listen, I don't think that what you're saying is good. This is the reason why. Um, and that's a big thing, you know, because you're supposed to be able to trust your healthcare professionals. I tell all of my patients that if they think that I'm wrong or they've read something else, please come and talk to me about it. Send me an email, shoot me a, a message. I don't mind. And you know what? I'm okay with being wrong. I will do my very best to be as right as I can be for you. Um, but I am not here as, you know, we, we complain about a paternalistic model in, in society um, you know, a patriarchal society, I am not this therapist that has all the knowledge and you must sit there and listen to me while I tell you what's wrong with you. And then you must do this or else I'm going to scold you. Like, I don't want a relationship like that with my clients. It's very much a partnership. You know, it's very much a, okay, you're a person. I'm going to treat you as a person. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge your fears. I'm going to never tell you that your pain is not what you tell me. Um, I'm going to, to not laugh or minimize your experience, you know, and, and you hear minimizing words all the time. Oh, I know that, you know, what I'm going through is not that bad compared to other people. And it's like, it's bad because it's going, you're going through it. It's just bad. Um, and so, you know, not minimizing experiences and really focusing on the person as a whole and then moving forwards from there. Um, I think that, but in particular, the experiencing things. So I'm always listening for beliefs, things that, you know, people just say, which reflects what they believe deep down and then doing mini experiments or, you know, getting them to say, well, you know, if this is really bad for you, then this should hurt, right? And they go, yeah, okay, let's try it. And they go, really? Yeah, let's try it. And they do it. And I go, how does it feel? And they go, it hurt. It's like, okay, cool. Now, just do it a different way. In fact, break the rules. And then they go do it again. Yeah, how to feel? And they go, it's weird. It didn't hurt. But it's wrong because I did it the wrong way. It's like, no, maybe you should trust that it feels better this way. And then let's talk about the reasons why. So really getting that experience, you know, experiential learning. We know from all the research, experiential learning is fantastic. And uh, incorporating all the different learning styles that people have. Most of the time, physical therapists, because we had to study really hard, and you can tell that I talk a lot, we're very in our heads. We're very talkative. We, we're very directive. We're very studious. Most people aren't like that. Um, and so therapists can often talk at their patients instead of talking with their, their clients. Um, well, I know many of us that have taken courses with you um, and learned from you. If you had to have me sum it up in one sentence, I would say that I learned to do something different. And so staying in that same vein as if you were just talking to moms and not talking to therapists and you've got a mom and she's concerned, maybe she's got diastasis or maybe she's got some leaking or some other issue. She doesn't know if it's from her baby or whatever, something, and she's scared to work out or pain with sex, all the different things that happen. What would you say to her to start her journey to get better? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to just establish what your preferences are. How do you like to do life? How do you bend over? How do you get dressed? How do you sit down? How do you stand up? Um, how do you pick up your baby? Do you have a cot side that makes you bend over in a certain way? Do you try to do things the right way? Uh, you know, are you trying to brace? So establish what you do first is the, the, the very first thing. Um, because if we don't know what you do, then how do we know to do something different? 
because then the second step is to then do something different. Okay, when you stand up, you like to let your knees travel forward um, and stay upright. Well, how about we let your knees stay back and you bend forwards? We just do the opposite of what you normally do. Let's see how that goes. Um, and really trying to give them permission to, uh, to experiment with that. Quite often, I'll send my clients home with um, homework such as, I want you to find as many different ways as you can stand up and sit down for me. And they go, are there that many different ways? And it's like, <laughs> if you only come back with three or four, then you haven't explored all the different ways to stand up and sit down. Um, and, you know, just giving them an idea of just how expansive that can be. And it's okay to turn your foot out and it's okay to let your knee come in. Um, so I think establishing those preferences to do something different is definitely the key to start. Um, and going from there, you know, and, and, and I'm actually a conservative physio. I don't like pushing people through symptoms. Lots and lots of people have pushed themselves through symptoms. You do, you did mention the ones that haven't been exercising for six or 12 months. Sometimes it's a, it's a really genuine fear because they've had severe symptoms every time they try to do it. Then we, it's on us to help them work out and teach them how to break down their tasks so that they can still lean on the fences um, without, uh, you know, crashing through a barbed wire, electric fence. Um, you, you mentioned a whole bunch of different conditions in that blog post that I did publish uh, the other day. Um, it, it was about a mother who, she had back pain and pain during sex and she had urgency and uh, she couldn't lie on her tummy and her and her husband's favorite position for sex was lying prone. Um, and she wasn't able to do that. So she wasn't able to enjoy sex the way that she likes it either. And then um, she was seeing a, a ortho PT who gave her exercises and cues, a women's health PT who gave her different exercises and cues, and then a Pilates instructor who gave her different exercises and cues. And she came to me because she's like, I don't have this much time and nobody's talking to each other. Um, That's and what, yeah. yeah, not that odd. It's really common. Um, <laughs> And then she goes, it's I need disappointing. yes, it is disappointing. Um, I need somebody to simplify it all for me. And look, honestly, one session was all we needed to make the changes. Cause the second session, she came back, no more pain during sex. Um, no more urgency, uh, no more back pain, able to sleep without pain can lie on her tummy. I, I asked her, you know, did anybody recommend that you put a pillow under your tummy to lie down on your tummy or just during sex? Like a pillow under your hips can be a good thing. She goes, nobody's ever mentioned it. And I never thought of it. Well, let's try that now. And she goes, Oh my God, that feels so good. Um, so, you know, it's just simple things. So you establish what they normally do. So I watched her lie down on a tummy. I did something different, popped a pillow underneath she felt different. We talked about why. Great. So let's, let's get into it, right? Your favorite thing to do. What's one of the kind of your pet peeve or current soapboxes <laughs> with pelvic health that you'd like to, I'm just going to give you this platform to blow it up right now. Okay. Too much focus on one, the call. But pick one. Only one. Too yeah. much focus on the core. Because I, I know that I'm talking okay. to moms. Yeah. Too much focus on the core and posture and alignment and don't don't hold your baby this way. You've got to hold your baby that way. Make sure you engage your core, squeeze your glutes. You've got gluteal amnesia. Um, you know, you're slouching and that's the reason why you've got pain. And make sure you keep your back straight while you pick up your baby. And like all of that is just garbage. It's just garbage. Um, if you find that you have pain doing things a certain way, just find a different way to do it that is literally as simple as I can make it. And if you can't find a way, I will help you find a way. That's what I do. Um, but 
we create so much fear, like there's paralysis by analysis. Uh, there's the four stages of competence that I wrote in my blog post. Um, you know, unconscious incompetence is where you don't even know that you're doing things the wrong way, whatever the wrong way means. And then we've got conscious incompetence. Now you know that you're doing things the wrong way. And so you need me to tell you how to do it. And I bring you to conscious competence. And that's where every time you do things, you have to cue this. You've got to turn on that. Make sure you do this. Keep your back straight that. Tension this. Like, keep your posture right. Whatever. That is conscious competence. And that is not normal. It is not normal to always think about the way that you're standing. It is not normal to think about what posture should I be in or what are my muscles doing? That is completely not normal. And we need to push people towards unconscious incompetence, which is quite simply, don't think about it, just do it, feels good, getting stronger, getting fitter, moving, able to take care of your kids without any problems. That is unconscious incompetence. And we physical therapists don't keep our eye on the ball because we don't even know that that is the ball. That is the goal. Our goal is to do ourselves out of a job. That is our goal. My goal is not to get you coming to see me over and over. And if you see a therapist that tries to get you to come over and over, I suggest that you try find another therapist. And I am not ashamed to say that. It's just, it just is how it is. And you need to be in charge of your own life. You need to get the good information. You need to be able to move forwards and take care of your life and not rely on other people to do it for you. And that's what I really try to encourage in my clients, all of them, whether they're mothers, whether they're male, female, whatever. You come to me with a back pain that you've had for two years, I'm going to treat you the same way that I'm talking as if you've got, uh, you know, postnatal pain uh, three months after giving birth. It's going to be the same. You're in, you're in charge. You make the decisions. You're the adult. Let's do the adulting. Let's go from there. Well, and that leads exactly into what I was going to ask you next. So um, you're saying how you treat someone with back pain the same as you treat someone who had a baby three months ago. Is there a particular, not so much a favorite person, but is there a particular issue that you just chomp at the bit to tackle that you love addressing or um, that's kind of your favorite spot to shine? I, I love myth busting. I love having people's minds explode yes, because yes. all the things that they've believed are proven wrong within half an hour or an hour and they're feeling good and they have a pathway to get better and they realize they don't need to come and see me three times a week for four weeks and then twice a week for whatever. Like, you know, I send people away and say, go do this stuff. And then come back and we'll, we'll tweak anything that you can't do it. The service doesn't stop at the end of the appointment. You can email me. You can SMS me. You can't call me just because I'm probably not going to answer when I'm treating other people. You wouldn't like it when I was treating you. So I don't answer phone calls. But, um, you know, the service is there. And I tell people, you can message me or email any time of the day or night. In fact, I want you to give me a weekly update on how you're going because this thing's going to take months and you, you only need to see me four times over the next six months. Um, so send me weekly updates and the number of people who do, extremely low. They, they feel like they're, oh, I don't want to bother you. And it's like, this is all part of the service. But just right. knowing that I'm there for them, yeah. is enough for them to be confident to, to go on and do stuff. So, yeah. Absolutely. You're definitely great at instilling confidence. Um, so not any particular, like you love working with clients with diastasis or you love working with. No, it's always because I love whatever comes in the door. Well, I know yeah. you like the variety, the variety, but just, I love people more than I love diagnoses, you know? Well, and the labels so, are so often not helpful. Yeah. So, you know, I, I care about the person that comes in the door. I'm interested. Oh, you do this or you're trained in that, or you've got a brand new kid. Tell me about how that's going. Like, that's what I'm interested in. The diagnoses, they're just labels. 
it, you know, I don't, I don't follow a flow chart. Oh, you've got this. Therefore we're going to do that. Like I don't do that. Right. It's about goal setting together. What do you really want to do? And you know, one of the classic examples, if I can tell a quick story was, um, I, I had this, I had this woman come in to see me. She was postpartum and she had back pain, like bad back pain, couldn't get dressed back pain. Um, and she had trouble picking up her child that was distressing her. Um, and so, you know, half an hour appointment. So got in, got the history done. And this is back in the day when, you know, I was snap, 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 snap. I was very, I was very snappy. I, I, I did what I was taught really well. Um, and, and then she, you know, part of the assessment is that you've got to bend over, right? It hurts bending over. Show me how you bend over. And she could barely get to her knees with her fingertips. And I thought, okay, no worries. And I finished the assessment. I did my thing. Blah, 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 do this manual therapy. Do this, do this, do this. And then it's like, okay, stand up, bend over. And she stood up and she touched her toes. And here I am thinking, red hot physio, did my job, sent her away, wrote up my notes. I'm all happy. Move on to the next person see her again a few days later because it was acute back pain. Um, I said, let's just call her Amy for simplicity's sake. Uh, Amy, how'd you go after the other day? How's, how's bending over going? She goes, Oh, I, it doesn't hurt to bend over anymore. And you know, I can get dressed now without pain. And I'm like, you sound disappointed. Like, I did a good job. You couldn't even bend over before. She goes, no, I know. I appreciate it. And like, I'm just not hearing the excitement. What's wrong? I still don't know how to pick up my baby without pain. I'm really scared that I'm going to hurt myself again. And what I'd missed in my snappy assessment, because I had a checklist of things that I needed to go through was that it was more important to pick up her baby than to bend over or get dressed. The thing that she really wanted to do was pick up her baby when it's crying so that she could nurse the baby, comfort the baby. And she was still scared to do that because I didn't help her address that. And that was one of the main things she cared about. So even though she didn't have back pain bending over and things like that, she still didn't feel good bending over to pick up her baby. And so that was on me. Because that was about me. That was about getting my assessment done right. That was about being efficient. That was about finding something like bending over, which is a very classic PT thing to do, right? It hurts when you bend over. Let's measure your range of motion. Let's do a post-test. Look at this massive increase. Your pain's gone from seven to zero. I'm doing really well. And that was all about me. And I remember that moment so clearly um, because that's when I realized it's not about me. It's about a client. Um, it's about what they want to do. It's about working together to achieve the goal so that they feel like they're making the progress towards what they want to do. Yeah. Um, so that's why a diagnosis, neither here nor there for me, it's, it's about the people, you know? Yeah. That's why I try to use a phrase to get back to the activities they love, whether that's yeah. picking up their 10 pound baby that will soon be 20 pounds or whether it's deadlifting 200 pounds. Um, so yeah, I completely agree. That's the most critical thing. And I think sometimes I find moms are surprised when I'm asking about those types of tasks as opposed to movement or range of motion. Um, I'm fine with it. I'm sure some therapists would be shocked to hear. I don't actually have a goniometer in my building. Mm. Um, I lost mine. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's what happened. I lost it. Um, but anyway, so I, I love that um, advice. I love that approach. Well, you might not have a favorite diagnosis, but one of my favorite things to watch you teach on, because I, I think, I think it, well, there's lots of head exploding. Um, but, and even in listening to your own podcast, um, when you talk about diastasis recti, Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's one that I find paralyzes a lot of clients that and prolapse, I find instill the most fear in women. They're, they're afraid that they'll never be able to, whether it's that how it looks, um, or how it feels. It's usually both. 
Um, but also those are the two I find cause the most fear for them in terms of exercise and being worried they're going to make it worse, which is possible. Like we can't Definitely. say it's not possible to make themselves worse. They absolutely could. And that's a concern. Absolutely. But I think I just love listening to you teach about that. And the, the concept of the fence, I think, helps it be so much more simplistic and giving moms that power. Like, listen, you know where your line is. You know that when you do A, B, and C, you get symptoms X, Y, and Z. And so like, let's just do this activity and see if we can avoid the symptoms. And then, okay, now let's increase the activity. And I loved that language um, that I partially learned from you in terms of a way to give them that power back of knowing you don't have to avoid the gym altogether. And I don't need to sit here and tell you the four exercises you're now allowed to go do. Go try some things. Here's, here's, here's some good breathing advice see how it goes. And um, yeah. that's definitely helped me empower other women and clients as well. Um, and they seem well, to obviously appreciate that. Yeah. And we're trained. If we're, if we're given a room and we're told that everywhere inside the room is safe to exercise, most PTs, most therapists would choose the center of the room to make somebody exercise because it's the least risk even though next to the wall is the same, you know, it's still safe. Um, and, and the problem is, is that people don't realize like in star Wars, the walls actually start coming in. If you keep exercising in the middle of the room, your body literally will start reducing what you can do. And if you exercise on the edges of the room and you lean, you lean on the fences, you lean on the walls, you lean on the barrier, that means to gently push into it without flaring things up, your body adapts. Specific adaptations to impose demands is, is what the said principle is. And that is exactly what needs to be done to, to improve what you can do to give you the ability to do all the things that you want to, to do and achieve or get back to, or, you know, learning something new. Um, for sure. And, and so recognizing that therapists in particular like to, to exercise in the middle of the room means that sometimes you have to challenge them and say, this is not hard enough. We know from the research that doing anything under 70% of one RM, so one repetition max, is not really going to induce massive amounts of change. Like if you want true structural change, that's muscular, bone, strength, tendon changes you need to go 70 percent plus that means that you've got to get tired and hot and sweaty when you do exercise um, i'll have to think and, about that when i look at the wad for tomorrow <laughs> yeah yeah i'm back to training too Ooh. i know i'm excited i'm excited <laughs> so you might not have a favorite diagnosis and that's fair i get it too like obviously loving the people is why we do what we do um do you have a particular favorite topic to teach on? Yeah, look, I love teaching. I love teaching. My, my flagship course is the female athlete, right? And that's where I get to combine all the things that I love to teach in there. So there's a bit of coaching and there's a bit of exercise and there's a bit of learning about how to focus on the client and learning how to, to do the intake in a different sort of way. Um, and that'll be in the level two course, um, more about that stuff. And there's the challenging the beliefs about the core and challenging beliefs about, you know, what women with diagnoses can and can't do with their exercise. Um, all of those things. Um, I, I've taken pain out of the course because it was just taking up too much time. But oh, I love really? about pain. Yeah. So I've cut so much out of the course and people are still looking like they're drinking from the fire hose, but they're actually getting it. Like it's solidifying and consolidating and it's a better educational experience for them. I think um, there's more room for well, I mean, that's fair. Pain science is extremely complex and that, that's, I mean, that's fair. That would almost need to be its own course. Yeah, um, with really the way that I teach it, though, thing. with the way that I teach it, if you just get some key fundamentals going, 
most of the time through experiential learning. So what I really focus on is the experiential learning through experiential learning and, and working through those, the responses that you can get from that, creating a plan. Okay. One of three things is going to happen if you're in chronic pain. So, you know, pain lasting anything more than six months and you've had this for a long time, you're going to have one of three responses to what we've done today. It's going to be increased pain. It's going to be decreased pain, or it's going to be the pain's the same. So if the pain decreases or stays the same, uh, yeah, well, the pain decreases, I'm just happy. We're on the right track. If the pain stays the same, it usually means that we didn't do enough to make a difference. We probably underdosed you or we didn't hit the right areas or we didn't trick the brain into the right way or we just didn't, we didn't get the mark. Um, and if the pain increases, I'm still happy because we probably overdosed you, but at least we're doing something which is making a difference. Like, you know, your pain increased. That's actually a good result. The worst result. Yeah, you rule something out. Yeah. Yeah. The, the worst result is no change. Um, so always looking for, for that and then giving them a plan. Okay. If this flares up, what are you going to do? What's your plan? And I make them tell me what they're going to do. And then we talk about it. Okay. What's your plan if it increases? okay, I'm going to scale back here. I'm going to do this instead. We know we can always come back to this level of working because that's what we've been doing. Great. And if the pain decreases after doing this, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to lean in a little bit more. I'm going to add the load a little bit. I might do a few more reps. I might do it in a shorter amount of time. I'm, instead of walking on the flat, I might walk on a hill. Instead of doing you know, uh, a shallow flight of steps, I might do a steeper flight of steps. So there's lots of that going on. Um, you know, just, and that's part of the empowerment thing, right? Mm -hmm. You develop your plan for what happens and I'm here to help you. Yeah. Too often therapists, you have pain with movement. Okay. Don't move. And they rest and not just therapists. Sometimes their doctor, who knows who tells them that their own yeah. thought process. Um, and so, yeah, just finding different ways to move and uh, make sure they can still do things pain-free. Um, or at least, like you said, improving, changing it, adapting as they go. Brilliant. Love it. Um, so we're going to wrap up here pretty quick. So it's my show and you're on and I'm super grateful. And so I'm going to take this chance to pick your brain about something I've been looking into. Do you have any use of or knowledge about um, collagen supplements in terms of the tissue elasticity related to abdominally or pelvic floor? Yeah, it's a tough question, you know. Um, I think you have to have your basic nutrient supply, what you eat. You, right. you need to have certain things to support certain processes. I'm not necessarily a fan of supplements. Right. I think you should be able to get, if, if you, you know, supplements should exist to supplement a diet. If your diet is inadequate, it's either going to be because um, of a lack of availability for what you need. And if you want the collagen stuff, like, I mean, you know, you can, you can eat that stuff. Right. Um, so even eating it, you know, through bone broths or other things, have you seen or know about a link with improved tissue elasticity? You know, I'm not, I look through experience alone. I'm not seeing anything major there unless they're nutrient deficient. Right. So right. let's just assume sense. normal, normal nutrition. I'm not seeing a massive benefit. If you're nutrient deficient, like you, you know, your nutrition is not enough to support the processes. Well then that can definitely be a contributing factor. It's certainly not my, my, my area of interest, um, however, the first step in any health profession is to make sure that people are eating enough whole foods, healthy, uh, foods, you know, proteins, reduce the processed foods. Um, and yeah, my general approach, not being my area is to recommend 
you know, staying on the outside of the supermarkets, fruit and veg section, meat section, and then go from there. I look so many more things, so many more things contribute towards the healing process that if you've got enough of the building blocks there, then you should be fine. Adding more just doesn't make sense. You know, um, just a personal area of curiosity. Wanted to take the chance to pick your brain for a second. Yeah, look, I'm not seeing, and, and the problem is, is that anything that we do is not controlled number one and is subject to post hoc fallacy number two, which means that, um, if you, if you feed a woman extra bone broth, for example, or give them collagen supplements and they improve, it doesn't prove that what you did is the reason they improved. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They could have just improved. Yeah. I, well, I totally agree. Obviously whole foods are absolutely the place to start. Like I said, personal little area of interest. Absolutely. And I'm, you know what? I am not keen on selling products. So if I, you know, so having supplements in, in my practice, for example, was something that, that people wanted me to do. And I, you know, I feel wrong about that. Um, so it's all, yeah, it's quite funny. I'd gotten busy because I try to do myself out of a job. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we will definitely post everything in the show notes, but just briefly tell people if they want to learn more about like, what would they find on the YouTube channel? Why, what reasons should, should they go to the YouTube channel? Okay. Well, there's two YouTube channels. There's a women's health podcast, which is a podcast aimed at the general public, but uh, therapists being therapists tend to get a little bit too technical sometimes. So we, we, we do a little bit of both on there. Um, that's the women's health podcast on my general YouTube channel. I've got hundreds of literally hundreds of videos on different things. Uh, there's exercise ideas, there's concept ideas. Um, so that's cool too. So that can be a great resource for moms and therapists, right? To get ideas. Absolutely. Try stuff. Yeah, there's something like 150, around 150 exercise demonstration videos, for example. So if you don't know how to do an exercise in a particular way, or you want to see which way I do it, well, then have a look. It's, it's there. Um, there's my website. So I've got physiodetective.com, which is where my blog lives, where you can find out where I'm running courses. I have free online courses. Well, I've got a free online course, which goes through the basics of pelvic health, um, as well as some paid courses. They're aimed at health and fitness professionals, but the general public have taken them before and and get benefit from them. And the Women's Health Podcast does have um, a website of its own. The education website is mypteducation.com. I really do need to consolidate all of these, don't I? (laughs) Uh, I've got Facebook and Instagram are my, are my main ways of communicating with people. So, um, great. And like I said, don't panic everybody. If you didn't catch that, we will post all the different resources in the show notes. I'll make sure those get in there. Well, I just want to take a moment and thank you, Anthony, again, for your time today, but also just for your heart and for the constant passion and way that you pour yourself into your work into your clients, into the therapists that you work with and influence, um, even those that you haven't maybe met face-to-face, but they're still impacted by your words, either through your blog posts, the podcast, your videos. Um, tremendous, tremendous impact. And I'm, I'm grateful that you do what you do. Uh, one of my favorite phrases is to say that I try to help women thrive, um, not just live or survive, but to thrive during pregnancy, um, delivery and postpartum. And I know you share that passion. So as just sort of a parting note to our moms in the community listening, what is one of your favorite ways that you really feel like that word gets captured in what you do? Thriving, mm-hmm. thriving through pregnancy. Or postpartum. Yeah. Or postpartum. Um, yeah having permission to not be perfect, having permission to go through 
the range of emotions that comes through being a parent, through being just a person is okay. You don't have to be perfect. You can always be working towards something if that's your thing. Um, you know, the last 20, I've seen a lot of things change over the last 20 years, but in particular, having the insta-perfect life is a real problem, you know, um, and that's always existed, to be honest, but it's so easy to see it every day now. Um, so it's okay. Take your time, get your feet, get your bearings. You've got support. You know, if you're stuck for support, contact Amy. If Amy doesn't respond, you can contact me. I don't mind, but this is Amy's show. Um, yeah, you, you've got support. You're not alone. There are people who understand and take the team and, and take the time to find your team. You don't have to take the people that you're sent to, you know, try yeah. to find your team, build your team and build the people that you trust that have your back that aren't trying to take advantage of you financially. Find the people who care about you. That would be the, um, how to thrive. But the other one is never say no when people offer to mind your children or cook for you or clean for you or do things for you. Just say, thank you very much. I would appreciate that. Because honestly, those little things add up and it can make you rest so much better, which is so important right now. Perfect note to end on. Moms have a hard time receiving so often. So I appreciate that. Thanks again for taking the time to be with me today. It was great to see you and hear you. And um, hopefully we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon, Anthony. Take care. Bye. Radio.